there, and welcome to the Animag Podcast. Hey, and welcome back to Animag, the number one podcast that your grandma has never heard of. I'm your host, Asylum, sitting here with... Domicus. And boy, oh boy, we have reached episode 13 of Orange. It was a long episode. I believe it was 38 minutes, but I did enjoy this episode. It was okay. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I lean more towards the side of liking it, you know? It cleared a few things up, and you called it. You said it was going to be a longer episode, and it was. Yeah. There was just this one part, the scenery, that was, like, absolutely gorgeous. Now that you mentioned scenery there was a part that i was watching because i rewatched it today before we hit this and it was a part where it was snowing and like the snow was yes. hitting the bricks and it was melting and i caught that too and i said in my head i'm like man that is a gorgeous scenery shot it's the first time that i felt that way with orange and it's not to say that it's an ugly show because i did enjoy the art style and whatnot it's just that's the first time that it caught my eye yes also want to point out before we dive right into the fucking framework of this this episode did have an intro role and I thought it wasn't gonna. Go didn't ahead. one of them didn't have an intro role? Yeah, the second to last one, the last episode we did, didn't have an intro role. So I just kind of went into it assuming that this one also wasn't gonna have an intro role because they needed to utilize all the time they had left, but they threw one in. Oh. Yeah. I'm glad because that's gonna be the last time we're gonna be hearing that. I'm gonna say this also before we dive into frameworking. Intro, I've always kind of like been meh about. I do like it. I don't think it's a shitty song. The outro. But the outro. The, the outro, outro has fully grown on me and I kind of like it now. Like the outro grew on me because like I would listen to it. I also kept on watching it just in case something else happens at the end. Right. And also it did play on Animag a couple of times <laughs> while I was at work. If you haven't and already, grew. check out the Animag radio section on the website. Some of the best anime music you can listen to, baby. Oh yeah. Oh the yeah. Orange outro. Dude, I caught myself singing it today, and it's just like, damn, that's when I realized this song is kind of growing on me. It's a sad song, but it's good. Yeah, he was like, yeah, what song I'm listening to? I literally <laughs> picked up my phone, typed the in- outro, and I was like, played it, and he was like, god damn it, every time. I might not say the words right, but you know the songs that I'm trying. <laughs> All right, so let's do this. First scene opens up. It's a shot of the letter, and it said that February 14th, the day before Kakaru dies, so I'm assuming that that's where this is all somewhat going to take place. It says that they mm-hmm. made chocolates in one of their like home ec classes and that Naho had actually ended up making those chocolates for Kakaru. Now, if you remember in past episodes, there was a whole big shit about the Valentine's Day chocolates and she just couldn't muster up the courage to get them to Kakaru. The first, I'd say quarter to almost half of this episode is going to revolve around those fucking chocolates. Yes. But I mean, the end of that whole segment ends up being pretty cool so we'll dive into that after this little classroom scene where they're making the chocolates we get the intro roll so you know how sometimes we talk about the pre-intro rolls always long or short this one was really short for the last episode maybe that's why they included the intro roll yeah it was just them baking and 
in. Yeah. I think Azu had went up to Naho and she was like, oh, he's going to love those. And Naho's like, who? And she's like, Kakaru. She knew that she was baking them for Kakaru. After this, after the intro roll, we see Hagida and Sua looking all sad because the girls didn't make them any chocolates. Uh, and she says, what? Hagida, man. Come Hagida. on. Dude, bread a- girl. Bread girl. You should have made him some chocolate. She already owes him some bread from the rally race. Just get together. Y'all were meant to be. 100%, bro. We want this more than we want Naho and Kakaru. <laughs> so they're all sad kind of looking at the girls and they're like where's our chocolates one of the girls says uh sorry i told y'all i was only gonna make chocolates for my dad and then hagida points at them and he says don't think you're getting off that easy <laughs> so we make our way back to the chocolate scene where naho can't spark the conversation with kakaru to give him the chocolates and she knows that she has to be the first one to make the move to speak you know what i'm saying because kakaru's not gonna do it and yeah, after the whole scene of the festival right so this is something that we hadn't seen in previous versions of this one particular scene where she just can't give him the chocolates she goes and she finds kakaru in the hallway and she sees him she's gonna try to give him the chocolates but something holds her back from doing it because she sees that kakaru is holding already a bag of chocolates and she kind of like looks and she questions it and apparently he's like oh don't worry some freshman girl gave this to me and naho's like oh what the fuck and she kind of freaks out right in her head you can visually see this and he goes don't worry i barely know her and as he's holding the bag up right in naho's face like shaking it and you see this you see him shaking like the bag and he's like don't worry i barely know her anyways and naho's holding the chocolates she had made for him behind her back first of all who cares just give him the chocolates anyways you know what i'm saying yeah just give it to him while it's good just be like oh so some freshman bitch gave you chocolates boom i made you chocolates that's all she has my to chocolate do. is way better than hers <laughs> <laughs> so this visually upsets Naho, you can see. And she instantly kind of goes, you can't! Like, she screams that. And Kakaru kind of, like, laughs and he cuts her off and he's like, don't worry, I won't go out with her. In fact, I won't go out with anyone. And Naho goes, you won't go out with anyone? And then he literally hits her with the classic Kakaru. He's like, later, just walks away. <laughs> The third attempt at giving Kakaru the chocolate was another fail. And finally, the fourth attempt, which the letter states that was her very last chance to give him the chocolates, also kind of seemed uncertain. Like, the letter kind of seemed uncertain when it was explaining to her that she was going to fail the first, second, third attempt. And then the fourth attempt was the one she needed to accomplish. The letter also seemed almost uncertain as if she knew herself might not be able to pull it off. So it's like, it's kind of sad that even in another universe, that version of Naho still isn't so sure of herself yeah and it said that she's wondering if she could do it again would she even succeed and that's what it said in the letter so that's what i was getting at saying that she's still not 100 percent sure of herself even in another universe and truthfully at the rate that things are going i doubted that she would be able to pull it off she's just so shy and coy yeah i don't think she would have been able to pull it off by herself oh i don't think so as they're leaving the classroom naho notices that kakaru already left which is weird to me because she goes oh kakaru he's gone like if you sit right on the side of someone you think you would notice if they get up and leave class right even the kid sitting in front of kakaru turns around and he's like whoa i didn't even notice that he left you guys fucking blind so naho takes off running out of the class to catch up with kakaru so then we see azu ask takako if they should go after them and sue was like nah they'll be fine you know sue is just letting things happen because remember in the last episode he said he's content with how mm-hmm. the other universe turned out he's happy that he's living his best life with naho there and that 
that in this world, it is meant for Naho and Kakaru. So here we go, buddy. Your favorite person's rolling around the corner. As we see Naho running through the school, guess who she runs into? The fucking bitch. The bitch. (laughs) And this is the last time we ever have to talk about her. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Thank the Lord. They made it short and sweet. 100%. It was very short. She actually didn't really even need to be in this episode. And honestly, if you listen to our next podcast episode, you're going to hear me say this. She really didn't even need to be in the series at all. But we'll get into that. When I say that Naho ran into the bitch, I don't mean like they bumped into each other. It was like, hey, like they collided. Okay. So in the process of this collision, the chocolates that Naho made for Kakaru got smashed. So Weta says, oh God, you crushed them? Can't imagine who you were going to give them to, but it's too late now, I suppose. Naho straight up says, it's not too late. I'm going to see Kakaru. So get out of my way. And then she just goes about her fucking business and Weta scoffs it off and she's like, whatever. And that's it. That's the last we ever see of Weta. Yeah. Good riddance. Good riddance, bitch. bitch. I like how Naho uh, actually stood up against her, though. Instead yeah, of being I all mean, shy. I, I thought it was going to be a little more of a violent interaction. Like, maybe she would have, like, punched her titty or something. Nah, but, spear. But still, <laughs> good. At, top, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Stone Cold Stutter! <laughs> you can't see me. Go to sleep. <laughs> Five knuckle shuffles her. Oh my God. Tombstone Power Drive. <laughs> <laughs> So, Naho's on a mission, gotta catch up with Kakaru. She finally catches up with him at his locker. He's looking pretty sad here, but it is Kakaru, so he kinda already always is sad. And he finds a letter that Naho had put in his locker, saying that she wanted to give him something. And she comes around the corner and asks if he found her letter, which of course he did, he's holding it in his goddamn hands and she can see it. So, like, why even ask? And then she says, I wanna give you something, but I don't have it right now. I promise I'll give it to you, though. Um, excuse me? This does not sound like she's trying to give this man a box of chocolates. She already knows he's gonna die. Bro, the way she worded this is like she wants to go give this man some head in the bathroom or something. She's like, I got something to give you, but I don't have it on me right now. Flashback to Cockrew giving the pin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, yes. I remember that. She asks if he can wait just a little bit longer. Obviously, she doesn't want to give him the smushed chocolates, but he says don't worry about it. I don't need it. And he just walks away. So like kind of being weird. She basically begs him to hold on because she's at least wanting to talk with him for a little while longer. She's like, I don't want to regret things anymore. Like we need to be open and talk to each other. So we cut to the letter, you know, getting one of those classic orange letter shots. It's February 15th. She gets her final text from Kakaru. And I guess this motherfucker got a new phone. Cause remember he smashed his shit when he was all mad at her. Yep. And the text was basically him apologizing to her for the big New Year's Eve fight, so that's a step in the right direction. The letter stated that she was unsure if he ever even read that text back to him. So just to tell him uh, what the reply was. Yeah, I actually like that part. Like, whenever she was saying it, whenever she started bowing her head, you gotta see a glimpse of the future Naho also (gasps) doing that. Yes! I was gonna point that out and I forgot to write it down. They did this thing. It was like a a transition of separate universe scenes and they were both doing the same thing. Like, pretty much just professing what the reply to the text was. So, it was just a nice touch. And they have a moment at school after all this. Naho says that she knows that he's been avoiding her and he admits to it. He said he was sad that he had hurt her on New Year's Eve. And she goes to reply with what the letter actually ended up telling her to say. She says that 
that she is sorry for being the one who hurt him. And he kind of goes off here and he says that he was just scared and that's why he ran off. And then he says how he wanted to get chocolates from her and that when she had asked him to walk her home, he was so happy and how when she kept trying to talk to him, it was making him happy. But in my brain, this motherfucker sure wasn't acting like it. You know, if you got a chick that you like and she's like, hey, you want to walk home, but you can't. He's just permanently sad looking like to me. I'd be like, look, I can't. But thank you for asking. Like, I really want to. You got a official anti-mag advice. Oh, great. <laughs> Express your damn feelings. It is not cool to try and be Mr. Tough Guy and just bottle up your feelings. Girls like it when you show your full emotions. Like a lot of this show could have been avoided if Kakaru would have just been true to his feelings and open and expressed them, you know, because like right here after he's like, but you know, you talking to me and everything was making me so happy. All right. Uh, so my internet cut out. We, <laughs> I'm not redoing my animag advice segment. It was just to show your feelings and be open with someone that you like because keeping it closed will put you in this whole situation where now you have a boring show made about you. Yes, I can actually agree That's with real this advice. animag advice. Even though I was just sitting there like, okay, what is <laughs> Hello? it? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Hello? I was just recording and then I saw my notes were like connecting and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so, right, let's hurry up, hurry up, hurry back up. On, back on track here, um, him being so closed off put them in this situation where like they both want to be with each other but they're not open with each other. So right here, they both admit that they want to be with each other. And Naho says how she wants to know everything about him. And he says, thanks, but I told you I wasn't going to date anyone. Like, excuse me? You're having this big cutesy fucking moment? But Naho comes back with a combat. Yeah, right here, man. She's trying her hardest in this episode, I think. This is probably the hardest she ever tried. It's Kakaru that's being the scared and unsure one right here. She even said, you once told me if I asked you out, you would agree. And he goes, I can't make you happy. And then she gives him a hug and she's like, don't be afraid to tell me everything. And he replies to that with, I hate myself and I just can't let go. Talking about his mom, right? And also in in response to the like, I hate myself thing. Like, yeah, bro, join the fucking club. (laughs) (laughs) He's having a big meltdown right here, essentially. Nodding to the notion that he wants to kill himself, but Naho is trying. She offers to help him through it all. And he notices that she was hiding something behind her back. The chocolates, the smushed chocolates. He says, it's time. Give it to me. (laughs) Well, maybe he doesn't say it that sexually. (laughs) (laughs) Give it to me. Yeah. She was kind of like hesitant to give him the chocolates because they were crushed. And he's like, well, who cares? And then he thanks her. Meanwhile, the whole group of friends was watching from the classroom window. And you hear Azu's big ass mouth go, hey, Kakaru, what did you say? Remember earlier in the season when he started dating Weta and they axed from the classroom door? He puts his hands over his head thing. Yeah. He does that again. So it was a nice callback to that. I I appreciated that. And I think right here is about where the whole chocolate bullshit kind of like fades out, which is about Mm -hmm. midway in the episode. So they use the whole half of their last finale dealing with these chocolates. But I did kind of appreciate it because they did kind of highlight it so much throughout the season or throughout about midway to the back end of the season. So after this, the gang was in a classroom sitting and talking. It's basically Sua saying how he still didn't want to tell Naho 
how he felt about her because the letter said she would turn him down anyways. But then he says, so please don't tell Kakuru or Naho about Naho and I being married. And this was confusing to me because does Naho's letter not mention that she's married to Sua in the other universe? Or like, does she already know and she's just not mentioning that? It could be that. Or like, that she part... doesn't want to hurt Kakuru's feelings. Like, hey, Kakuru, I'm married to Sua in another universe. I don't know. That part to me wasn't very clear. Or like maybe she didn't mention it in her letter. So Sua really is the only one who knows because Sua's letter said it and he had pictures and shit. I don't know. I want to say so. Yeah. I want to say that the future Naho wanted to keep that a secret. Oh, so she didn't put it in the letter. Maybe. I don't remember. You don't remember from what the books had? I don't remember. Mm. That's like really and truly that's one of my only big complaints about this episode was that piece right there because I need to know is Sua the only one that knows him and Naho are married or does Naho fucking know and she's just not telling the group or did future Naho just not tell present Naho? Like, there's so many different ways you could split that. I'm gonna go with yeah. the latter and say that Sua told his self and that Naho's future self didn't tell her in the letter. So Sua really is the only one to know. Yeah. I feel like that makes the most sense. That would make the most sense. It's the day after Valentine's Day here, and the whole group of friends is being really nice to Kakaru. Remember, according to the letters, this is the day when he kills himself. Hagida gives him a pair of his old glasses because he thought he would look good in them. <laughs> And Kakaru's like, yeah, man, uh, thank you, but I can't see out of these. <laughs> and like, everyone's just being nice, overly nice to Kakaru. And he even asked, he's like, what is going on with you guys? Like, Sue was like, bro, hell yeah, we're going to go pro in soccer. Noticeably kind is how they're acting towards this guy. So then we go to Naho and Kakaru on the roof of the school, which is also, by the way, kind of fucking dangerous, don't you think? Why do they let school kids go up on the roof? Like, you, in America, they would never let us climb to the roof of our school. That's so weird. In Japan, go to the roof. They're doing it here in this show. This kid is suicidal. He doesn't need to be on a roof. He already cracked jokes about jumping out of a fucking window in a past episode. (laughs) He just runs off. Superman, you. Kakaru mentioned on the roof, he's like, dude, everyone's acting very strange today. And on the roof, Naho gives him a classic Naho lunch. And he's like, I haven't had this in a long time. Yes, the lunch geeked this guy out. He's like, whoa, a Naho lunch. (laughs) And the gang gave him a bunch of snacks and shit. And he's like, yeah, they told me to share this with you. She shows him the hairpin that he gave her. And he's like, oh, you still have the hairpin. She's like, yeah. And she's like, remember the school meet when we were at the school meet? She tells this dude that he was hot when his shirt is off she was like you look really good when your shirt's off and guess what this motherfucker straight up right here looks at her and he's like i love you what the whoa excuse me and that makes naho cry that blew my mind like you're just throwing out l words now like just two seconds ago you were telling her that you weren't going to be dating anyone now you love her they just started dating this is like the next day he waited one day to tell her that he loved her since this is a season finale we get official animag advice part two Part two. Hopefully I can hear it. (laughs) All right. You can fall in love pretty fast. That is a real thing that I believe in. Like you can meet someone and like the next day have feelings of love for them, but fucking wait to tell them that you love them. Don't, don't do it the next fucking day. (laughs) (laughs) What you mean, man? I didn't do that. (laughs) I don't know. You was falling in love over heels. (laughs) All right. So we're moving on. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes, I can agree. Yeah, just just wait a while. Wait, like, you know, two or three months. Make sure those feelings are real. If you rush the relationship, the relationship's really not going to be that great. There's also just Get different to know levels. know each other. There's different levels of love, too. Like, you can love them as a friend, you know, like. Yeah, that's I know where you're going with this. <laughs> you can love strippers the second you meet them, you know? Oh, my God. And, yeah, they drain your freaking money. That's fine. We can get more, baby. We're on the number one anime podcast on the planet. Checks are good. Checks of the first are good. All right. So he tells her that he loves her and this makes her cry. Cut scene. Apparently the accident that's going to happen, his big accident happens that night after 8 p.m. And this is kind of like after school, I guess. Naho asks if Kakuru can walk home with her later after school, but he says he can't. He's like, I told my grandma I would go with her to the hospital. So now we know they won't be walking home together. We see the group. Like some people are standing some people are sitting they're by a stairwell in the school and they're trying to figure out if kakaru is going to be okay on his own because obviously after school is kind of getting towards later back end of the day naho and the group don't want to leave kakaru by himself because they know what's going to happen they say that they can't pressure him into going with them due to what happened with his mom you know like he's not going to want to leave his grandma to hang out with him we talked about this in i think the last episode too he remembers what happened with his mom so he's not going to go hang out with the group knowing that his grandma sick they're formulating plans on how to like stop him from getting hit by this car or whatever and we hear hagida say oh we can destroy his bike <laughs> and sue is like wow that seems excessive so they get to a final plan their plan is to wait at the intersection where the accident will happen and kakaru walks up and he's like what are you guys plotting and sue says here's a hint we'll let you live what <laughs> We'll let, a, we'll let you live. We'll let you live. Probably like Kakaru's like, damn, gonna jump me. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna beat me into inches of my life. We have a big flash forward scene here, and Hagidaz expressing his concerns to the group about sending the letters back to themselves, and he's worried that there aren't parallel worlds, and if they do save Kakaru, the future that they're in right now will be kind of like painted over, essentially mm-hmm. creating a paradox world. He then mentions if the letter does successfully get delivered that world would more than likely branch off from the one they're currently in so it kind of eliminates that paradox and it's able to like just let both of them exist i kind of wish they would have spent more time on this flash forward scene to maybe not explain it a little better because it is explained well it was just so short maybe lengthen it up a little bit because this is kind of an important part of it all because right after this it's back to present time kakaru is at home praying he's praying in front of a picture of his mom and stuff and he asked his grandma where his mom's photos were as he's getting the box down his mom's phone falls out now remember in the last podcast episode old thomacus and i had a big rendezvous about in that previous episode if that was current scene or future scene in that episode it was a future scene because now we're seeing it in current day yep cuts to the gang they're waiting at the intersection sua goes oh he isn't here and it's time so they go to his grandma's house to find him but she tells them that he just left and they're like oh fuck they take off running and they notice that Kakaru's bike is still at home still just sitting there wonder why, wonder why. <laughs> uh, and Takako mentions that this isn't anything like any of the letters said because apparently the letter said that he was supposed to take his bike and he doesn't so it's the small thing that she noticed and Hagida says they changed the future too much and they all split up to go find him here's the thing this dude 
is legit just walking in the middle of the highway just crying. Understandably though, if you didn't hear the last episode, he found his mom's cell phone and the whole show was plotted around the fact that he thought his mom never replied to him when he yeah. went hang out with the gang of friends and just, you know, died, killed herself. He discovered that she did reply, just went into a draft box. It just never went through. It didn't get sent. So he's obviously going to be heartbroken here. And that's why he's walking in the middle of a goddamn highway crying. And Naho notices him at a crossway, walking almost like he was drunk or kind of like a zombie. Like he's just kind of dragging his feet and everything. And it cuts to Naho's face and her mouth is just wide open. And we hear some tires screeching. Here's the big scene, buddy. <gasps> big scene. This is what we waited this entire show for. And also I have a couple of notes here. And I told you this at work. They really did nothing physical to save Kakaru. Nobody ran and pushed his ass out the way. He decided to just fall over on his side on his own. They helped him more in a mental capacity. So I don't know. There was one person that saved him. Who? We're going to talk about that later. Okay. So we hear the tire screeching and everyone's just in shock. I thought he was dead. I'm like, here they go. They failed the letter once again. Naho said, I should have known we couldn't change the past. So I thought he died. You notice that the 18 wheeler door opens Mm -hmm. and you don't see nobody. Yeah. Like who was driving it? (laughs) You ate (laughs) her. Oh my god, she just ditched the truck. Oh my fucking god, dude. Honestly, if they would have fucking did that, 10 out of 10 episode. But I thought he was dead because of that one thing that Naho said. And we see Kakaru laying like on the sidewalk and they all run over to him. Sua like kind of grabs him. And after a little moment, he turns and he looks at Sua and he's, he's just crying. Okay, he's not dead. He didn't get ran over. He didn't get hit. He's fine. And everyone's just quiet and they're all kind of crying and Sua yells at him asking why he was in the road and why he would do such a thing and Kakaru says simply he's like well because I wanted to die (laughs) why else would I try and off myself you know they show a quick flashback right here to right before he almost got hit by the truck it's like it's a flashback but it's a flashback to like a few seconds ago to what Kakaru was thinking right as the truck was hurtling towards him in his head he's like I just couldn't go through with it and then he starts telling the group he's like basically the reason why I couldn't go through with it was because I was afraid. I was afraid that I would miss out on something great tomorrow or what the group of friends might think of me. So like they did their job in a mental capacity where, you know, they didn't physically save his life by going and push him out the way of the truck. But mentally now they got him in a happy place where he's happy to be with that particular group of friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Good job to the group there. He asked them, he's like, how did y'all know where I would be? And someone says it was in the letters. Ooh, here we go. Dude, he's at this point, he's like, what? (laughs) Hagidas says, the ones we got that said you were going to try and kill yourself tonight. (laughs) Like, whoa, just straight up bluntly say it. And they all pull out their letters and show him just the envelopes right here. And he's like, what? He's just literally sitting there looking super confused. Finally, they explain it all to him. Apparently right here, we learned that they all sent letters back to themselves. But they all also sent personal letters back to Kakaru. And this is the first time we hear of this out of this whole show. And basically all of the letters that they wrote and sent back to Kakaru were explaining how they were sorry for not protecting him and how they wish he could still be around in, you know, in their world. This is in the other universe. Kakaru in Kakaru fashion says he's sorry and that it's all his fault. And Sua's like, yeah, it is your fault. If you die, I'll never forgive you. And then Sua actually apologizes for inviting Kakaru on the first day of school to go get bread and everything. Cause he's yeah. like, we found out what was going to happen too late. And I was the one that invited 
invited you for that. I'm sorry. And Kakaru's like, no, I'm, I was actually happy that you did invite me. Obviously, he was happy to get that invite to make new friends, but he also didn't know what was going to happen to his mom. So everybody's kind of like, fine, we're going to walk home to my grandma's. As they're walking back to Kakaru's grandma's house, Azu asks why he didn't take his bike, like the letters had said. And Kakaru says, I was gonna, but then I noticed that it was broken, like someone would have went and destroyed it. And Sua looks at Hagida and he's like, I wonder who that could have been. <laughs> Hakuna went and absolutely crushed this man's bike. I love it. Yes. He was the hero. He was That's he was definitely Kaku, the hero. If Kaku was on his bike, it would have been too late to like yeah. even move. He couldn't pedal fast. He couldn't do shit. He was screwed. Honestly, that's a good point that I didn't think about. The letter said he got hit on a bike. And maybe because he wasn't on the bike, like it just delayed him enough in seconds to where he had time to fall over and not get hit by the truck. If he was on his bike, maybe it would have plowed into him. Is Hagida the real hero of this whole story? Holy shit. I indeed say yes. I think I'm gonna say he yes is. too also. I think Sua also pulled a lot of the weight. Naho really didn't do much in my opinion. Hagira. Hagira, you're the man, baby. You're the Ca- man. Character ratings, Hagira, be, 10 out will, of 10. Hagira, you will always be a hero in my heart. <laughs> Ueda, you're always gonna be the bitch in my heart. Oh, 100%. Most hated bitch in anime. So... Oh, oh, that's worse. We got... Well, yeah, but for right now, for me, she's the most hated. So let's cut to this final, you know, final scene area. So we cut to the group burying a time capsule. We hear Kakaru talking while reading from a letter. He wrote a letter to bury for them 10 years in the future. And for a brief moment, they talk about how there are many different futures for themselves because of the multi-universe thing which was kind of cool that they mentioned. And Hagida says, yeah, there may even be one where Naho and Sua are married. And Sua goes, no, 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 no. And remember, he didn't want that to get out. So I guess, I guess honestly, Naho really didn't know that she was married to Sua in the future universe, which to me is smart, but also weird. You think she would have maybe mentioned that to herself, like, hey, you married Sua and you had a kid with him. Also like how one of them said, oh, there might even be a future where Saku and Azusa is together. Oh my god, yeah. Hagida freaks out. He's like, <laughs> no, there isn't! No way in hell! <laughs> and the episode basically ends with Naho in the other universe, the future universe, and Sua looking out into a distance and it's Naho saying that if the day ever came where it felt painful for Kakaru to be alive, no matter what, she will always save him. And that's it. Credit roll. Credit roll. That's a season, boys and girls. We did it. We did it. I ain't gonna lie. Just from reading that, I got goosebumps on my arm, man. And it, like, it made you feel like, oh, there's gonna be another season. It kind of like, did, another but... another episode after, like, showing what their present future self would look like or how yeah, they... I would have liked to have seen, because, you know, she was standing at that point, like, it was that overlook point that they went to every year with Kakaru's ashes or whatever. I would have liked to have seen the present day group all standing there, you know, doing that tradition with Kakaru there. Yeah, that scenery was beautiful. The art. Yeah, Yeah, this episode, the last episode did a great job with the scenery, I think. So, I don't know. After going through this, I think I'm going to give it an 8. An 8? Yeah, I think I'm going to give it an 8. Come on, man. Hagida, the hero? Hagida's the hero. (sighs) 
I don't know. I, th- I think it's an eight for me because of the, like those couple of parts where like not explaining if Naho actually knew that she was married to Sua and Sua did that part. And then that other part where they're discussing the parallel paradise. Whoa, the parallel universes. I wish that that, I wish that that part would have been longer. So for, for that, it gets an eight in my book, not a nine, which is still high. This is the first eight that I give out all season. I'm going to have to go with a nine. I actually love the art. Yeah, the art was nice. And plus, I read the book, so... That's true, you did. It really wasn't that confusing to me. Yeah, I'd probably understand it more if I read the manga, but also do a good job of explaining shit in your show, too. Don't rely on the fact that you have a manga, you know? I'm not going to want to go and read Orange now that I've watched it. This is good enough for me. It just, there's a few open holes for it. And we can maybe dive into that in the next overall review episode, which we will have a total tallied rating review of what the whole season is between Thomacus and I's each episode reviews. So you're going to want to tune into that to hear what we finally rated Orange. And you're going to be hearing us ranking each character. Yeah, definitely want to do that. So definitely tune in. That's going to be our last ever episode of the podcast for Orange. So until Until then, guys, take it easy and so long, everybody. Sayonara. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit our website at www.animag.org. See you next time.